are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the NFC South Ultimate Division Crossover. We're rolling through this week. It is Thursday. Hope you guys are having a great week, and we have arrived at the Carolina Panthers. For last, <laughs> normally we say save the best for last, but not necessarily in this case. But the Panthers are on deck, and I, of course, am joined by the guys I've been hanging out with all week, and it's been a fun time. And I'm just going to go ahead and let these cast of characters introduce themselves to you all. What's up, everybody? Ross Jackson here from the Locked On Saints podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Very excited to get to do this with you guys yet again. Day four out of five. We're knocking them out, man. Aaron Freeman, the host of the illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, and you guys can check me out on Twitter at FalcFans. David Harrison here, one of the hosts of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Uh, you find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Very excited to talk about the NFL's Charlotte Wildcats franchise. Shout out to James as well. Uh, hope, hope you're doing well. And I'm, of course, Bill Rossetti, but you guys knew that already. So enough about me. <laughs> Let's jump into it this, this has been a fun week Listen, i just got to say like this has been a fun week i'm really glad that uh the network came up with this concept of course everybody all the divisions have been doing this and it's been a really great time uh so we're at the panthers let's kind of recap what the panthers did or kind of didn't do in 2019 as it was really kind of rock bottom for this team it was it just turned out to be a disastrous season they finished five and eleven uh, ended the regular season on an eight-game losing streak. Actually, the second year in a row that they've had a long losing streak. They lost seven in a row before actually winning their season finale in 2018. And then last year went from five and three at one point, including a win over the Titans, which when you look back, that looks pretty crazy that the Panthers beat a Titans team that wound up going to the AFC Championship game. They were five and three at that point, but crumbled to five and 11. Cam Newton, of course, only played in two games, and then that foot injury ended up shutting him down for the season. So then Kyle Allen took over a starter and started off actually pretty decently. The Panthers had won actually four straight. Uh, they also, also beat the Houston Texans team that made it to the divisional playoffs before their epic collapse, which we all thoroughly enjoyed, I'm sure. Uh, so they beat some pretty good teams, but then Kyle Allen fell flat on his face, and Panthers just kept losing a lot. And then they turned to Will Greer in Week 16, and he really wasn't working it out either. So a lot of question marks now surrounding this team, but at least you had Christian McCaffrey, of course, became just the third player in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards and have 1,000 yards receiving. Actually did it on, I believe, 116 catches, uh, if I remember correctly. So... A fantastic season for Christian McCaffrey, but certainly his future starts to become in question as now the Carolina Panthers under new ownership and a brand new coaching staff as Matt Rule comes over from the University of Baylor. He was given a seven-year contract by the Carolina Panthers and basically got control of the coaching staff, brought in Joe Brady, the former offensive coordinator, or excuse me, the uh, passing game coordinator of LSU. He's now the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. Phil Snow, he brings over as his defensive coordinator, brought him over from Baylor. In fact, if you look at the, the new coaching staff of the Panthers, you see a lot of Baylor connections. You see some Temple connections. Basically, a lot of guys that at one point or another 
have been connected to Matt Rule. But we're de- uh, a lot of a lot of excitement, I think, as far as uh, a lot of questions and really some good debate as uh, as far as this team goes. And I'm really excited to get these guys' thoughts. So we'll start with Ross. Um, when you look at this Panthers team, um, just what do you think of this team coming out of 2019, and um, just what they can do to improve, how they kind of match up to the Saints here? Yeah, I mean, I looked at these guys in 2019 as another team that just unfortunately got the short end of the stick, honestly, in terms of the way that luck rolls out. I mean, they had one of the league's uh, top wide receivers in DJ Moore for a while. They have, of course, a fantastic weapon in Christian McCaffrey. But the one element that they were really missing over on the offensive side of the ball, aside from pass protection, was a quarterback. And and that, some of that had to do with injuries. Some of that had to do with youth and experience and things like that. And so there's a whole lot of you know, talent on that Carolina Panthers team had a good, had a nice pass rush as well throughout the season. And so it was a team that had a lot of pieces, but unfortunately just didn't have the fabric to put it all together. Now that you have, you know, uh, moving on from Ron Rivera partway through the season to me was, I thought a little unexpected. Um, I didn't see Ron Rivera as the problem for the Panthers, but I also don't cover the Panthers, so I might have totally been missing something there. But now everybody seems to be buying in and saying yes to this new regime. I think that the idea of you know signing Matt Rule and bringing him in for a, on a nine-year contract as the head coach tells me that this is a little bit of a long game play, that they want to give this time to carefully reconstruct what they have in the facility, which I think is super smart as opposed to trying to rush into something um, that could potentially, you know, not work immediately and then end up putting you in the hole for a bunch of money. And so I think that's a very smart decision. Uh, I personally love the hiring of Joe Brady, of course, as an LSU fan. I follow Joe Brady closely. He, of course, was an offensive assistant for the Saints as well before becoming passing game coordinator for the Tigers. So I love seeing him there, and I'm really, really interested to see what he does as a young and very, very smart mind in the you know his first actual coordinator position. I mean, he's only been essentially an intern and then an assistant, you know, for quite a while, but it'd be really interesting to see what it is that he's able to do, particularly with a guy like DJ Moore, because something that people should know about Joe Brady is that Joe Brady gets a lot of credit for the offense at LSU and in particular his work with, with uh, Joe Burrow, but he actually didn't work with Joe Burrow at LSU. I talked to a good friend, Matt Moscona from the Locked on LSU podcast, not too long ago about this, as well as from uh, ESPN Baton Rouge, but he talked about how Joe Brady for the most part worked pretty pretty exclusively with the wide receivers, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who of course is the Blitnikoff winner, uh, Terrence Marshall, who was uh, excellent and was returning to LSU this next season. So he actually worked with them. So I'm interested to see what the Joe Brady effect is for the wide receiver core in Carolina, which hasn't been the biggest and best wide receiver core in the NFL for some time, but certainly has some talent with guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel there. So that's part of what I'm really, really interested in. And I think that if they're able to get that passing game rolling a little bit, if they're able to get a quarterback that they're comfortable with, even if that means retaining Cam Newton and giving him another shot under this new regime and with this new leadership, then I think that that puts them in position to, you know, perform 
perform better in 2020 than they did in 2019. But I think, unfortunately, from my perspective, the Panthers are just probably the most removed from the top of the division at this time. But I think that that's part of why these contracts for these coaches have been structured in such a way that allows them to play a longer game in terms of a full-on rebuild, doing so carefully and making smart decisions over the course of a couple of seasons, as opposed to turning in and trying to make quick decisions that could be costly in the long run in order to have an effect right now. Aaron, I have a question for you. Um, the Panthers definitely seemed like a team that, uh, or I should say the Falcons have kind of dominated the Panthers over the last couple of years. What is, in a, what is it about the Falcons that they've just been matching up so well over these last couple of years with the Panthers and that some of these games really haven't even been close? I think it's really sort of two di- differing philosophies. The Panthers have sort of always been this run-heavy, defensive-driven team, and the Falcons have kind of been more of this pass-first, we're going to score a lot of points. And I think they've had a lot of success in recent years um, being able to score against the Panthers and making them try to play the Falcon style of football, which they haven't really had a lot of success doing in those particular games versus the Panthers kind of making them play their style of football, which in the early going of, of sort of Cam Newton's career, they did have a lot more success. And I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of diminishing returns these last couple of years with that Panthers defense. What, while still good, isn't necessarily that sort of top shelf type of defense that they had several years ago back when they were, you know, at the top of the division and, and potentially, you know, almost – close to winning a Super Bowl. So I think that's really kind of been the key difference. It's just like the Falcons have just been particularly effective at making the Panthers play their style of football, which they haven't necessarily done a good job of. And one wonders with the coaching changes and possible quarterback changes, as well as other things, whether or not the Panthers will be better able to play that style of football, at least offensively. And then Dave, when we turn to the Bucs, um, you know, we've obviously touched on the Bucks earlier this week, but it's definitely weird that they're kind of in the same boat as, as the Panthers and that they have, you know, huge question marks. So when you look at the Panthers, um, when you look at this Panthers team, um, I guess what is it that makes them kind of similar in that aspect that they're going to have these, uh, these quarterback questions? You know, could Cam Newton potentially be, uh, or I, I guess we could say, how does Cam Newton potentially compare to Jameis Winston? if they both of them get to the free agent market. Well, I mean, Cam Newton, you know, full disclosure, I have not been during his career. I don't really, it's not, it's not so much his personality. It's more, it just, it kind of seems to come across as a little bit selfish. I don't know that he's really a leader or a team player. And I fully acknowledge that's in contrast to what his own teammates and coaches say about him. Uh, That's just the impression I get. Obviously, you know, my co-host James Jarko is definitely not a fan of, Cam Newton. In fact, he likes to call him Scam Newton. Um, But that being said, you can't deny that Cam Newton has been a talented player in his entire career. But I really feel like the injuries have taken their toll, the punishment that he's taken because of his play style, because of how much the Carolina Panthers have really relied on him. I mean, outside of like Greg Olson, I mean, the, the, the Panthers just have not put a very strong nucleus or a group of talent around him to really help support him uh, in, in his ventures on the offense. I know you know their most successful seasons, they had a really good defense, but offense was really kind of predicated on what Cam could make happen with very, I would say, limited talent. I mean, uh, Devin Funches, in my eyes, was never a number one wide receiver yet for years. That was the number one guy that, that Cam had to work with. 
Even now you look at DJ Moore, who definitely has a lot of talent and upside. Curtis Samuel, as much as I love the fact that he comes from Ohio State, I don't look at him as kind of a true number two wide receiver. So I feel like they they have some room to grow there. So Cam's decline as much as you know it, it has to do with his physical ability going into decline. I think it's a lot of it has to do with the the lack of talent the Panthers have put around him. Not from a from a lack of effort necessarily. I mean they've they've signed some players, they've drafted some players. They just haven't panned out for one reason or another. I feel like, honestly me if I'm building a team or looking to fill in a quarterback position, I'm actually staying away from Cam Newton more than I'm staying away from James Winston just because James's issues all seem to be mental. They seem to be more about decision-making and and things like that. And whether or not Jameis will ever learn from those mistakes, they can be taught. They can be, those are things that can be nurtured and developed. Whereas Cam Newton's issues seem to be more physical. And, you know, we all, we've all seen it, you know, at the, like the old saying goes, father time is undefeated. And Cam just seems to be breaking down a little bit faster than maybe some quarterbacks do. Uh, Like I said, based on, on his style of play and how much the Carolina Panthers have asked him to do over the years. I think back to Aaron, you'll remember it, I'm sure, that hit he took from, I think it was Deion Jones, right there at the end zone. I mean, that's just one example, and that's a, that's a hit that, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like going back to Shaquille O'Neal days in the paint, that Cam Newton takes those hits all the time, and I just think they've caught up to him. Awesome. Yeah, definitely good to see kind of all the, all the insights from all the other division guys here. Uh, we'll take a quick break here, come back, and then we will discuss – Kind of the future of the Panthers, some of their biggest question marks. I think we know, obviously, one direction that we are going to talk about. We'll do that in just a minute. All right, guys, we're back, and we're going to roll on here with the division crossover. We're talking Carolina Panthers. We got all the folks from the NFC South podcast here, Ross Jackson, David Harrison, and Aaron Freeman, all with me, Bill Rossetti. Hope you guys are having a great week. We're going to talk about... Some of the biggest question marks that these guys think the Panthers face. And David, I think we'll start with you. You know, we kind of just touched on uh, the quarterback position. Um, but other than that, what do you think right now could be the biggest, uh, the biggest question mark for the Panthers heading into this offseason? Well, I think the, the biggest question mark is going to be what are, the, what are the Carolina Panthers seeing themselves? Because, you know, they, they've got some sexy new coaching hires that, that I, I like. I mean, uh, truth be told, I, I love Coach Rivera. I love Ron Rivera. Uh, you and I were at the Combine last year, and, and I don't know if you remember, but I, I went out of my way to attend Ron Rivera's press conference there at the beginning of the week mm-hmm. just because I'm a fan of his. Like I, I really had no reason to be there. I did ask him about Bruce Arians, but he, he's a very smart coach, so he kind of gave me a middle-of-the-road answer. Didn't get too excited, but didn't you know uh, uh, insult the, the hire or talk down about him at all. So he didn't really give me any material that I turned into writing or anything like that. I just, I'm a big fan of Coach Rivera, so I wanted to be there to hear. That being said, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I don't know if, if all of you are aware, but I, Castle Rock, Colorado is not my hometown in the traditional sense that I didn't grow up there, but it is a town I call home because I spent a lot of my teenage years there. Um, my father still lives there, and it is the birthplace of Christian McCaffrey. So I'm a big Christian McCaffrey fan. And so, so there's a little bit of affinity there for the Panthers, but I really look at this team and think that this is a full rebuild. Like the Panthers are not in a position to retool, reload, whatever you want to call it. They're rebuilding this team. I think David Tepper hopefully has that mindset, which is why he decided to go with a new court or a new coach. They should go with a new quarterback. And really that's kind of the, the mentality I would approach this team with in, in 2020. And, and Bill, I think you kind of have echoed, 
uh, those sentiments because looking at the the seventh pick, we've talked about it earlier in the week. To me, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, if you're not drafting a quarterback, you know, Justin Herbert, Tua, and Joe Burrow are gone, and you don't think that Jordan Love is the future franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, then if if I'm at seven, I'm getting the Colts and the Buccaneers on a conference call, on a three-way conference call, and I'm saying, hey, you two, one of you's trading for this pick. Go ahead and, and just keep bidding against yourselves until I'm happy. Um, you know, to take a, take a scene out of draft day, I'm just going to sit here and eat my pancakes until one of you decides how much you're paying me for the number seven pick and let them go back and forth over who's going to draft Jordan Love because then you can stockpile those draft picks. You know, you might be able to get two number ones out of it. You might be able to get a couple twos out of it. Whatever you get, that's more draft capital you now have to go get younger players on cheaper contracts than, you know, going and getting a key free agent for, you know, tens of or even close to $20 million if you're talking about a free agent quarterback. I think that's the best way for them to go. You get a a nice little stockpile of young players going to figure out who fits what you're trying to do, figure out who's going to make you a winner long term. Keep those guys, let the rest of them move on, keep folding back and stocking draft picks. I think that's kind of the way the Panthers need to address this uh, versus maybe even trading up for a Tua. You know, if you trade from seven to say three to go grab Tua, now you're giving up draft capital. And now you got Tua coming in there with the kind of the same offense, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and not much else. The defense is banged up. Uh, it just it seems to me like you're if you do that, you're going to spend your first two or three years trying to keep your quarterback healthy more than anything. And to me, that speaks that the Panthers think they're a team re, re, retooling uh, or reloading versus rebuilding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with David all throughout that. I mean, I, I look at the I look at other opportunities for the Carolina Panthers to get better. And I love the idea of them you know, shopping that number seven pick and seeing what they can do to add some talent. I mean, get another, getting another wide receiver in that core could help because, yeah, go ahead and, you know, keep Cam Newton or Will Greer or Kyle Allen or trade up for Tua, but then you still need somebody to throw the ball to outside of DJ Moore. Uh, trust me, I'm very familiar with that type of a situation as what the New Orleans Saints have going on as well. But, you know, somebody like Denzel Mims, who obviously Matt Rule knows very well, would be you know, a great weapon to add along uh, that Carolina Panthers offensive attack. And then Joe Brady, of course, and the work that he does with wide receivers is so well documented. And so I like the idea of them either sticking with one of the guys that they've got, what, you know, whoever it is they feel most comfortable with. I love the idea of getting, giving Cam Newton another shot. Honestly, if I'm being real, um, I like Cam Newton and I would like to see him at least get another shot to succeed. That's just kind of the, the football fan in me and just the fan of, of human beings and people. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I'm kind of in that same place where I feel like the, the Panthers could address some really, really, really big needs elsewhere um, that could really help this team start to do that, you know, as, as David phrased it, reload uh, quicker uh, or, you know, sooner rather than later. I'll add this to um, the other thing about that. And the other thing that makes me go that way is that we talked about, uh, I think it was Tuesday's episode, Bill, you had mentioned that, you know, getting that defense a little bit younger, particularly along the defensive line is something that has been a focus for the, uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Of course, Luke Keekley just retired. So that's a huge hole to fill over on the defense. And when you look at Matt Rule as, you know, a defensive mind, or if you look at Matt Rule as a defensive mind, that it makes sense that as opposed to really kind of 
going out of pocket and trying to like trade up and move up for a guy that you're going to have to end up probably sitting for a year anyway to just try to fill those holes in the defense and build up a defensive team for this next year that can help to uphold whatever your offensive production is around whichever quarterback you decide to use for 2020. And then if you need to go back into the market in 2021, there's still some viable options there, but it gives you an opportunity to really, you know, replace a leader on your defense, a cornerstone for your team, as well as find a way to continue to, you know, get some youth and inject some youth into that, that defense. And I think that to me, that's a big priority uh, for Carolina, especially because they have these other quarterbacks that they potentially could, you know, just continue to roll with for the next season or so before they dive into that 2021 market. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually just wrote a little bit on a couple of the quarterbacks coming up in the 21 class over at Pro Football Network. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the two big guys, but I touched a little bit on uh, Sam Ellinger and Kellen Bond. I think those are going to be two intriguing guys to watch as far as their development this season and can they kind of climb into the t- obviously, you know, not to the level of Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, but at least on uh, the level of being in the conversation of, you know, maybe being around one quarterback. But I think I have to pose the question to you guys. You know, it, it is going to be the question with the Carolina Panthers. Do they bring back Cam Newton? Will they roll with him? He's due about $18 million this year. They can save $16 million in cap space if they decide to cut him. So what would you guys do? Would you keep you know, what would you guys do and what do you think the Panthers will do as far as will they or won't they keep Cam Newton? And if they decide not to keep Cam Newton, who will be the starting quarterback week one of 2020? Well, yeah. um, I'm, I'm happy to start. Like, I'll answer that one I, because I kind of already kind of, uh, you know, showed my hand anyway. Um, I think for mm-hmm. me, uh, I roll with with Cam Newton one more year and I give him another shot. I mean, this is a guy that's been suffering because of injury. Uh, as, you know, We've seen him really fall off lately more because of injury as opposed to just a lack of production. And I, I do think that the two go hand in hand, of course, if you're not, you know, what is the, the phrase, the best ability is availability. But regardless, I think that I give Cam Newton another role, um, at least, uh, you know, the, the thing that gives me pause for it a little bit is the fact that they could save $16 million moving on from him. That's hefty. And, you know, we're talking about building for the future and giving them an opportunity to reload that offense and reload that defense in particular, $16 million and then a seven to $13 million, you know, leap in salary cap. That's helpful. <laughs> that's really, really helpful. And so um, I think that's the thing that gives me pause, but I'm inclined to say, uh, give Cam Newton another shot at it. I think, you know, as, as well as Kyle Allen performs against the saints for whatever reason that might be, I think, you know, what you've gotten Kyle Allen at this point, Will Greer still needs some time. And so I think your sure thing at this point would be, um, would be Cam Newton. And then other than that, maybe you look to free agency. You know, we've talked about Marcus Mariota a couple of times this off, you know, throughout this week uh, here with these crossovers, could Marcus Mariota be an interesting, you know, option for the Carolina Panthers? I think it kind of comes down Mm -hmm. to the team that Matt rule wants to build, but certainly it's an offense that's used to, you know, uh, used to working with a mobile quarterback. So maybe that could be a good option for them. But I think that in, in the draft, I would, I would err on the side of trying to rebuild elsewhere and gain draft capital to kind of continue to add weapons around the team and then maybe look to free agency for uh, another quarterback if Cam Newton's not the guy that you go with. 
Yeah, and Ross, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. You know, I, I, and I think that's the beauty of 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 observing teams from the outside, as we all have different views of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at it. Luke Luke Keekley retired. Greg Olson's going to the Redskins. I just it this team has rebuild written all over it, and I think if you're gonna rebuild and you don't have a young quarterback, uh, you, you got to move on. And, and Cam isn't you know the elder statesman that some guys are in the world, but again, I think physically. And when you take his actual age with some of the injuries and, and the damage that his body is taking, it kind of elevates or escalates kind of that measurement. Um, I, I kind of like, actually really like the idea of maybe Marcus Mariota landing uh, with, with Carolina. And I mean, I don't know, like if Ron Rivera still wants Cam to run his team, maybe, maybe the Redskins are willing to trade Dwayne Haskins for Cam one for one up, up front. Uh, you know, that, that, I don't know with Dan Snyder, you never know what's going to happen. But, you know, if you, if you do that, bring in two young quarterbacks with relatively inexpensive contracts. I mean, Marcus isn't going to be demanding $25 million a year or anything crazy. Then that gives you the opportunity cap-wise to still build your team. It allows you to save some draft capital this year, not having to target a quarterback right off the bat. allows you to get some pieces in place. Uh, like you said, Mims, I really obviously a guy that Matt Rule is familiar with. So if the Carolina Panthers start passing on him around the around the time people expect him to get drafted, it's it's kind of like when Bill O'Brien passed on Christian Hackenberg. You know, it's it's going to kind of start to say some things about the player. But if they bring him into Carolina, you've already got DJ, you've got Christian McCaffrey. That's probably going to get a second deal pretty soon. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's kind of the best way for this team to go. Matt's on a seven year contract, so he's got you know really if you think about it, he's got about two or three years before he really needs to commit to a single quarterback. And whoever they have on the roster, if they're not working out in that system, then they can kind of go all in, push all the chips in a major trade and move up in the draft, take the guy that you want. Um, you know, right now it's Trevor Lawrence next year, but every year we've got a new hot quarterback coming out in the NFL draft. There will be a guy there in 2022, 2023 if they want. And that's when they could make this full push uh, into trying to put it all together with one guy. Yeah, just your thoughts, Aaron, on what the Panthers should do with cam newton do they keep them or do they not and if they don't who who could be a top option to start this year i mean that's a tough question i mean it, it kind of goes back to a similar conversation we had when we talked about the bucks keeping Jameis winston i think the panthers are in a better situation because they're picking higher in the draft it won't take as much ammunition to potentially move up if they need to get their guy or there's a much higher chance that a, a good young quarterback will, will fall to them where they're picking. Um, but I think unless you are in love with whoever, what is likely to be the third or fourth, possibly even fifth best quarterback is in this draft, if you don't absolutely love that guy as a prospect, if you're not absolutely willing to marry your franchise and your organization and this coaching staff to that guy for the next five plus years, and that's obviously a decision that's going to have to be made this off season. Then I do think you really do need to entertain the possibility of kicking the tires at least one more time on Cam Newton and hope that he can come back healthy and, and see what you can get out of him. Obviously, you know, that's a Panthers team that is at least competitive with Cam Newton. They haven't quite had the success in recent years that I think they've wanted to have with Cam Newton. And a lot of that is tied to the injuries, but 
I think that's going to be an important conversation with this new coaching staff and with the front office. If they believe that, you know, whether it's a Justin Herbert or a Tua or a uh, Jordan Love or Jacob Eason, if they believe that guy is the guy, then I think you can willingly part ways with Cam Newton and, and roll the dice on a rookie and maybe sign, you know, a mid-level sort of uh, veteran guy, you know, basically the equivalent of a Josh McCown type of player that can come in and, and sort of be that veteran leadership in in the film room for that young rookie quarterback. But if you're not in love with those types of players and aren't willing to give up the draft capital this year or next year to go get that guy, then I do think the choice is pretty much to kick the tires on Cam Newton this year and hope that you get another bite at the apple to potentially uh, make a change next offseason. Yeah, here's how I look at it. I, I think they're definitely in a tough spot, both with Cam Newton and in the draft. I think they're going to keep Cam Newton. $18 million, not really all that much when you look at some of the contracts of some of these other teams and, and some of these other quarterbacks. So $18 million is kind of a bargain, even with the, the injuries to Cam Newton. But the thought is that he should be healthy by March, and I think the Panthers can give it – one more go, as well as looking to draft a quarterback in the first round. Now, I think where they sit, that that's where I think makes them in a tough spot because they're such a wild card. Because you guys brought up the uh, Tua Tungavailoa and the possibility of trading up for him. If the Panthers are to trade up for Tua Tungavailoa, I think it's going to have to be at least, or they're going to ha- probably have to get up to number three and make that trade with the Detroit Lions because they know they have to get over Miami. If, if they want to get to us, so it's probably going to take at least both of their second day picks to get up there. And cause you know, cause we're jumping from seven to three. So it's a little bit of a, little bit of a jump there, a little bit of a gap that they, they have to make up. So I think at least their second and third picks are going to be gone. And when it, so if they want to, I think that's what it's going to have to take when it comes to Justin Herbert, that's a tough spot too, because they are right behind the LA chargers at number six. And I, I do believe that Justin Herbert is going to be a potential option for the Chargers, especially now that we know that Phillip Rivers will no longer be with, with the Chargers. So we know the, Pan- or the Chargers are going to be in the, in the market for a quarterback. So I have, I have to believe, and I said, I think, uh, I think Justin Herbert locked himself into the top 10 with his performance at the senior bowl. So if the Panthers want one of those guys, I think they're going to have to, to trade up for them. If they don't, then I'll throw out a name in round two as a guy to watch. And that is Jalen hurts because we talked, you guys mentioned the, the mobility, you know, some of these young mobile quarterbacks that Matt rule has worked with. And I think Jalen Hurts could potentially be seen as a as a uh, Cam Newton light. Oh, I could totally see that. I mean, you have a big bodied guy with a nice arm and has some some mobility and has you know. I mean, that's I think that's a really good fit actually for him in Carolina. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think they could potentially see him as as a as a Cam Newton light, and you know, so even if you keep Cam, I, you know. 
there's definitely the possibility. I could certainly see them having both Cam Newton and Jalen Hurts. Uh, would It would let Jalen Hurts learn from Cam Newton because, look, we're now in an NFL world where we have to kind of change the way, and not necessarily in a bad way, how we, you know, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but kind of change the way we look at these quarterbacks because, you know, mobility has become, I mean, you still need pocket presence, obviously. I think pocket presence still is the biggest factor when looking at these quarterbacks, but, you know, mobility has become more of a factor in some of these quarterbacks. I mean, we're watching Lamar Jackson win MVP with the dominant season he had. Uh, Kyler Murray just won Offensive Rookie of the Year. And we know the skill sets that these two guys have. So maybe these teams think about that and they look at a guy like Jalen Hurts. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, I remember watching the game and somebody was saying along the lines of, oh, maybe Jalen Hurts is like a running back or something like that. It's like, no, we're we're not getting into that. You know, Jalen Hurts is going to play quarterback. But what what I'm saying is, you know, you develop him and get him kind of into the abilities that we saw like with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, then you might be able to work with him and an offensive staff like the Panthers have now, you give them a year, you know, when you give them weapons and you beef up the offensive line, then you might have something with Jalen Hurts. So I would not discount the, the possibility that a Cam Newton returns in 2020 and they draft Jalen Hurts, say in round two, if they can't, get one of those top guys because like I said I think it's possible that the top three guys all go by pick number six if the Panthers don't trade up because I think what's going to happen is Miami's going to trade up for Tua because we know all the draft capital they have so they're going to almost throw everything but the kitchen sink to the Lions to make sure they get their guy and then Herbert's probably going to be there for the taking for the Chargers if they want him at six. And I don't think the Panthers are going to take Jordan Love at seven. They're certainly going to t- not going to take uh, Jacob Eason at uh, at number seven. So, like, in that scenario, the Panthers are probably taking someone like Derek Brown or one of the offensive tackles or maybe Isaiah Simmons. And then you get to round two. And like I said, that's where I think it becomes interesting that they could, pot- could potentially take a guy like Jalen Hurts. So I think that's where the Panthers stand right now uh, with with the quarterback situation. Yeah, I, I think that evaluation is spot on. I think that's a, a good route for – a potentially good route for them to go. Uh, again, I love the fit of Jalen Hurts in Carolina and what that can provide that team and, and the player. I mean, to be able to sit back and learn from Cam Newton, who has taken as many shots in the NFL as Jalen Hurts might potentially take in the NFL because of his play style as well. And so I, I that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, Jalen yeah, definitely seems to fit kind of the mold of what a Carolina Panthers quarterback has been, with especially with Cam Newton. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they don't take a quarterback in the first round, then you definitely see that that becoming something that happens. I think real quick, too, I'll, uh, I want to touch on two of the other big questions that I think you have with the Carolina Panthers. So we'll just go kind of around quick. And the two questions being – and we we kind of touched on one earlier because we talked about Luke Keekley, but one obviously is you know how do they how does this team go forward with that big void in the middle of the defense with Luke Keekley retiring, and what do they do about Christian McCaffrey because like we kind of alluded to before he's due for a con- he's up for a potential contract extension 
And the question becomes, if you're a team in a rebuild like the Panthers, do you pay all that money to Christian McCaffrey and kind of eat up all that salary cap? So I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on what you would do with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm inclined to say pay the man, honestly. Um, I and, and maybe that's an ignorant outlook, but I, I kind of feel the same way about Alvin Kamara, who's much in the same mold as Christian McCaffrey. These are two players in the NFL that play the running position, running back position, unlike any other running backs in the league. And I think that they give you a dynamic on your team that is not, you know, is not replicable elsewhere. And I know that there are a lot of teams that have spent a lot of opportunity, a lot of draft picks and a lot of capital to try to replicate a guy like Christian McCaffrey in the league so far. And no one's been successful at it because there's only one Christian McCaffrey in the league. If you have the opportunity for that guy to be on your team, then you keep him on your team. And I know that that eats up salary and that eats up that. But I mean, when you look at what the, you know, and I'm also coming from this as a perspective of you can look at what the Saints just did in terms of locking up Michael Thomas for, you know, years uh, based on what, you know, giving him a five-year extension at worth up to $10 million. Uh, you know, you can do that when you have a guy that is absolutely going to be a contributor for your team and is going to be a difference maker on the field for you. And when you have somebody that plays a position as, that is valuable for teams with young quarterbacks, which seems to be where the Carolina Panthers are going to be trending at least within the next couple of years, whether they do trade up for Tua or grab a guy like Jalen Hurts or grab somebody in the 2020-2022 draft. Uh, you want a running back that's going to be able to alleviate some pressure off of your young quarterback. You want a tight end that's going to be able to alleviate some pressure off your young quarterback. You've got one of those things at Christian McCaffrey and somebody that provides you not only somebody that can alleviate that pressure as a running back, but can also be a safety outlet out the backfield. I think that that investing that kind of money into a player like Christian McCaffrey isn't just putting money on a playmaker. It's putting money on somebody that extends the career of your young quarterback as you move forward. Yeah. For, for me, I'm inclined to pay him. I know everybody's always like never pay running backs. And, and that's been an issue with the Falcons where people were like the Falcons were mistaken for paying Devonte Freeman. And now they have to get out of that kind of, and all that sort of thing. But the reality is when you have a valuable running back and particularly if the Panthers do decide to go with a young quarterback, in the foreseeable future, having that stability in the ground game, having that reliable outlet as a runner, as a receiver that Christian McCaffrey brings to the table is very valuable. And, you know, whether that's worth $10 million, $15 million, whatever the, the, the case may be, it does have value for your team. And I think you're a better football team if you have that on your team. And if you wind up paying him and then, you know, four or five years down the road, you're saying, oh, we paid too much money for Christian McCaffrey, but you are winning football games over that, you know, three, four, five year span, then it, it, I think it winds up paying for itself. So I think I would be definitely inclined to pay a guy like Christian McCaffrey just because I do think his skill set, because of his value, both as a pass catcher and as a runner, does give you a little bit more than, say, other running backs of his ilk, other top-tier running backs that are just more uh, tilted towards the, the running game. And, and you know, again, I know that was a big topic of debate this past postseason, you know, how valuable is the running game. It will continue to be a topic of debate for the, the near future. But I do think it is in the best interest of the Panthers, uh, particularly if they do sort of turn the page on Cam Newton, to have that sort of stable foundation to their offense. And I think Christian McCaffrey provides it. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm kind of on the side of things where 
you draft a running back. If he's successful, great. And once the initial contract is over, you let him walk because generally speaking, you're going to overpay for running back when most running games are predicated on the offensive line doing their job. And, you know, teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of an example of that when they lost Lev Bell, as long as their offensive line was doing their job, you know, they were able to find a running back to be successful, even if they weren't necessarily blowing the socks off people, they were successful enough because of their offensive line and their scheme to make things happen. But Christian McCaffrey is a whole other level and and a type of guy like if, if an offensive lineman misses a block on a Christian McCaffrey run, Christian can outrun the missed blocker or a missed defender. You know what I mean? So Christian's kind of the exception to that rule for me. A guy like Saquon Barkley probably is in that level as well. There's not many others. I, I look back at like Melvin Gordon and his holdout, he's not a guy that I would go and pay, you know, the, the kind of money that he's going to want to at the running back position just because of the nature, the short nature of their of their position group. But Christian McCaffrey is that guy. So if, if it's me, you, you definitely are, are paying him to stay in Carolina. Yeah, and I'm just going to follow along there. I'm in, I'm in the same boat, too, I think. You know, it's I know it's a tough decision that, you know, whether or not you pay all this money to a running back, but Christian McCaffrey definitely deserves it. I mean, you know, you brought up a, g- a good point, David, about the offensive line. And the the fact of the matter is the Panthers' offensive line really wasn't all that great uh, this off se- or this past season. And Christian McCaffrey still found a way to rush for 1,000 yards and have over 1,000 yards receiving. So he's, he's the key cog right now in this offense. I mean, that off- let's face it, the offense – when Cam Newton went down, the offense ran to Christian McCaffrey, and he absolutely took uh, took full advantage of it. So, I I agree. I think you you pay Christian McCaffrey because the salary cap is just going to keep going up, and um, who knows how high it's going to go when this new CBA kicks in. So, I even said on, I think I think last week somewhere I said it, it might be advantageous for the Panthers to sign him now because it might end up being a cheaper contract than what it could be, say, next year when this new CBA kicks in and you have no idea, you know, because it looks like the players are going to get more money if we're to believe all these all these reports that are coming out about what could potentially be in the CBA. Uh, the, the salary cap looks like it's going to skyrocket. And, the you know, we think these contracts are big time now. Just wait until, you know, 21, 22 when they finally kick in. So, yeah, I, I think Christian McCaffrey stays, and uh, I, I think the Panthers pay him. You know, David Tepper, he's he's ready to do whatever it takes to make this team competitive. And if it means shelling out a six-year, $90 million contract for Christian McCaffrey, then so be it. He's he's going to do it. Uh, I think that's a good spot to kind of – I think we touched on some of the biggest things here with the Panthers. Uh, if you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here. No, man, just another fun episode for the uh, Divisional Crossover. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> a lot of love in this room. Yeah, so I, I guess with that, we'll uh, wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun week, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up tomorrow with what should be a really fun, really fun episode. And, yeah, this tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so grab your loved ones and enjoy listening to us for Yap About Football. That just like we love to do. That's kind of our Valentine is talking about football. So with that, we're excited signing off. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you, see you tomorrow as we wrap up the edition crossover. Until then, take care, my friends.